Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, AJ Osborne. AJ, you are the CEO of Cedar Creek Wealth, and you were found on the web at ajosborne.com. AJ, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And AJ, one thing that I got to point out, you're very, very well known for, probably number one that I can tell in the industry, you are the guy when it comes to how to make a lot of money in self-storage. Yes, I am the ultimate self-storage nerd. So <laughs> that is right. We've uh, uh, I've been in the industry for 15 years, uh, oh. the uh, largest podcast and best-selling book in the industry. So we have, you know, it's it's an amazing industry. I've absolutely loved it. And it's just changed so much since, yeah. since we got into it. So, yeah. Yeah. So give us a 101, excuse me, a 101 about the opportunity in self-storage. Yeah, self-storage is a, so first of all, to understand the opportunity, you also have to understand the past. Um, Self-storage, a lot of people get confused on the opportunities. They're also very confused on the risk. And I think one of the reasons is this is a new industry, okay? So this is an industry that's an adolescence, right? When self-storage pre-2008, institutions didn't really get involved in self-storage. In fact, a lot of people thought it was a fad. And it was born in the 70s, but it really started to grow in the 90s. And when we got into it, it was a, basically a land hold. So people just land hold till they could do something useful with the land or, or so they, they thought. We got into it because we said, this isn't, uh, so I did, it, we worked with companies and I managed their insurance, um, like an insurance brokerage company, and we managed their self-funded dollars. And we worked with companies all over the United States. And that industry had gone through a consolidation phase. And we maximized in that industry um, through the use of technology and some other things, which made it very successful. And when we looked at self-storage, we said, this is an asset that is overlooked. It's primed for consolidation. But the biggest thing was, um, I and I spoke, it was, maybe it was 2009, I spoke at an industry and I said, you guys don't know what you have. This isn't a real estate asset, it's a business. And we make all our money because we're buying from people that just act like it's a passive real estate asset, and we're tripling the revenue. Mm. And it's we we exploded our wealth. I mean, you got to understand, we went from a handful of facilities to over 150 million without taking outside capital. We were wow. buying bankrupt super Kmart's and turning them into storage facilities, ground up <laughs> developments. I bought an office building in a downtown location. We're turning into a self storage. Um, and this opportunity in self-storage is the fact that it changed after 2008 and people started realizing this is more like I was saying, it's a retail, like we need customers, we need marketing, we need show front, we're selling insurance and products in these stores. And once people started realizing 
that they started building nice, big storage facilities, more like a lot of people see today. Like, I can't believe that's a storage facility. Right. They're able to increase rents that made it um, worth it. And they found out not all customers are the same. Customers don't want to be in an industrial park. They want to be in a nice area that's close to their stuff, that's security, comfortable, has a good open showroom. And that made the fact that they could triple the revenue then because those people would pay for it. And it tested all these assumptions. But most importantly, after 2008, two things happened. First of all, it went through a credit crisis. So self-storage had never gone through a credit crisis before. So Wall Street couldn't analyze it in its models to see how it would perform in a credit crisis. The second thing was third-party management came in. Remember I was saying that it's operations heavy, right? So a lot of people, like we tell people, it's we like the fact that it's not as hands-on like apartment buildings is with changing toilets and, and things like that, but it's really hands-on on the operational side. It's a business. We have ad spend, customers coming in every single day. We do revenue management. We do like, um, I don't call it a unit. It's a product to me. And when we're looking, we're doing product market fit. We're finding the right customers. We're putting them together. We sell 15 different products, which are different unit types to businesses, individuals. There can be climate control, all this different stuff going on, which allows us to do revenue management and maximize it. Well, nobody wanted to touch that. Big investors are like, I can't just put my money in this thing and have it work. I got to get my hands dirty. After mm. 2008, they tested it in the models. It did really well during the recession, which surprised people. Yep. And two, third-party management came in. So what did that mean? Institutional players could now come in. And they started to come in at mass. And now it's one of the hottest real estate a- assets out there. And it's just exploded in growth. It's mind-boggling how much it's it's grown over the last um, 10 years. But over the last three, four years, it's absolutely crazy. A lot of the golden gooses of real estate turned out to not be true. Housing can never go. Retail will never leave. It's like a government bond, right? Hotels are staples. All of a sudden, between 2008 and COVID, all the main real estate asset classes outside apartment buildings were not just tested. They were wiped out. All while self-storage kept ticking along. But the opportunity is, remember, most of this happened prior to 2008. So the people that own it still operate these assets like it's in the 70s. They do <laughs> nothing. They don't do advertising. There's no revenue management. Oh, I no know. Buying. Nothing. So we're buying them. It's the exact same asset. We're yep. implementing our operational strategies and we're doubling the revenue. We're refinancing into non-recourse loan. We're taking all our money plus profit out and we're doing it again over and over. So AJ, if someone's like, okay, I'm in, how do, how do I get a piece of the action? <laughs> what, what are, where are, the, what are yeah. the inroads? Yeah, the inroads to storage. So first of all, um, the another thing that used to hurt self-storage was financing. Like nobody could get finance. We couldn't get finance. Mm-hmm. Banks don't want to lend to it, right? Financing is much easier now. Now, when I say much easier, it's not like it is an apartment building or, or something else, but we can still get financing for it. The biggest part that people have to do is it's really an educational side. It's how do I operate it? How do I maximize these things? Because it's totally different than any other real estate asset class. So understanding how what makes a storage uh, facility successful and what makes them fail, that's the big thing. So at the end of the day, I can tell, talk to you and I can say all these fancy things like product market fit, how you maximize revenue, but it's still a box. So there is this massive commodity part to self-storage. And if too many people build nice facilities in the same location, it's just overbuilt. And there's just too many units. 
only 10% of the population, right now it's right about around 10.6% of the population utilize storage. Now, this is mm. due to what we call the COVID bump. But uh, the fact of the matter is it's not a major, and that 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 fluctuates, by the way. So it's, um, and we don't know how, how much the staying power will be from COVID, but you got to find places that have high demand and that demand's not at risk. If you can make sure you do your market analysis and understand demand and always get that right, you'll always be successful because then you can screw up, right? So I call this that how we analyze and what I'm looking for is the spread in the market, high, high demand, low prices with high price opportunity that I can measure. That's what I call my MOS. So Warren Buffett has his margin of safety, right? My MOS is my margin of stupidity. That means <laughs> I know there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. I don't understand, right? I need to be able to enter into a market and I need to have a margin of stupidity so I can be stupid and I can make mistakes and still be successful. And that's the key, right? This isn't Coca-Cola. You haven't embedded your brand into people's brains. At the end of the day, if there's a lot of products on the market, they don't care. It's a box. And if yours is as nice as the one that was just built down the street, whatever is giving me the lowest price, I'm going to I'm going to uh, go to. Now, that used to be not a problem because we could build really nice facilities in places that never had a nice facility. So we had unlimited demand. But with all the development, which has been since 2013, we had never had a development cycle in storage that had hit or been over a billion dollars. After 2013, um, I think we we went over a billion dollars, but I think maybe 14 or 15, we've never gone under 3 billion. So to say every single year, 3 billion plus of new development has been going on for whatever that is, six, seven years, which is triple to five times the annual output that has ever been done mm -hmm. at all for this asset class, it's staggering. And yeah. that's where the danger lies. So as long as you can understand those fundamentals and understand where demand is, then the operations, you can figure out how to execute. And you can. And so it's all about finding a good location. And by location, I mean a good market that has high demand. Yeah. After that, it's finding a good asset that has upside potential. So it's a mom and pop owned person that you can buy, take over, and you can improve those revenues. So you yeah. don't want to buy an asset that's in a market that has a lot of supply and they're already at the top rental rates. There's only one way, place to go, right? And that's down. And so you've got to make sure you have that upside cushion. And that's really fundamental to starting out in self-storage because you just can't compete. If there's too much supply, it doesn't matter how good you think you are. It, the market doesn't care. Yeah. Um, so our, so the idea then is that you would find want to find generally, I mean, one yeah. way of this is find an underperforming storage facility, maybe they haven't been keeping up. They certainly haven't been doing their marketing, right? They've yes. just kind of been sitting on their laurels. Maybe, you know, on the other, you know, couple miles away, a new facility came in, but yet the market's still not reached saturation. So you're like, I can, I can jump in, um, you get financing, buy the mom and pop out and say, now we're going to get serious about business here. Yeah, exactly. When you, when you are looking at a lot of the older facilities, right, there's two parts that they may lag in. One is operationally, all the things that you mentioned. They What they're shooting for is occupancy, and that's it. Delinquencies are really high. Um, they've never risen rates. So let me give you an example. 
I just bought two storage facilities that were built in 2009 and 13. Big, nice, brand new storage facilities. The quality is, is wonderful. There's no capital expense ever even needed. They, um, and we bought it in a port, like it's a portfolio package that, that we took it down. One of the store, storage facility has a lot of, of uh, RV boat storage parking, right? Things like that. They have never risen rates. Half of the tenants don't even have contracts because they were friends. It, they built it, it filled up and they just left it alone. Now we're 10 years later, okay? They are um, at least 100% below. So they're, they are, at they're giving on average like a hundred dollar rates when their competitors are like 300. So they're, you know, they could lift it up two times and they've never even touched it. And when you ask the owners, they didn't even know what the competitor a half a <laughs> mile down the road was. So think about that. What can you buy that you can increase revenue double, right? And the, and there's nothing that I need to do. It's perfect in perfect condition. And the other one was 40% below market. Well, when you know how cap, cap rates work and you know how financing works, I go in and I'm putting 30% down on that asset. I increase 30, 40% revenues in a year or two, right? All of a sudden, that is worth way more than, in, you know, I mean, you're, you're approaching millions more than you bought it for. I can pull all my money out plus a huge profit and still have 30% equity down. And mm -hmm. I can also move that into a non-recourse loan. So now I'm not even liable. I'm not even on the debt. So there are these assets that were even built well, and they were just ignored. Now, the other side, though, is the opposite. This is not just operational. These are facilities that are broke down. So they were ignored operationally. They're older, and they need some work, and they need some work to be competitive. Now, that's different. We have to fix roofs. We may have to do driveways, fix gates, um, do offices, and we do that, too. Um, now that's when you have to just be really sure that those improvements will justify that cost. Because now a lot of people look at storage and they go, yeah, but that's not a lot of expense, right? Like if you're doing an apartment building to repair rooms and stuff, that's a huge expense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's only associated with the revenue it produces. So you may think it's not a big dollar amount, but as a part of, as association, as a percentage of the, the revenue that storage does, it's massive. So fixing roofs and repairing roads and moving a gate, that's a huge chunk in comparison to the total cost. So you have to be really careful that you don't overdo it and then can't yeah. charge charge rates. That's a big yeah. deal. Would you change up uh, branding or anything? Or is that just kind of, it depends? Yeah, yeah it, it, it depends, but we do. We have a centralized branding system. So we operate all off the same brand. We do all our own marketing, everything like that. So we get a lot of efficiencies with that. So we internalize all our operations. We have about 50 employees. Um, we have all our offer operations are housed out of here. Um, and that's everything from accounting, marketing, uh, you know, all of it. And we get to spread those resources across all our facilities because we're over 2 million square feet. We're net rentable square feet wow. uh, across the nation right now. And we have about um, 600,000 under development um, net rentable square feet. Um, which is, you know, those, those are big. Those are really big. That's three facilities. So you're talking 200,000 um, net rentable square feet. Uh, you know, that's 1,500, uh, 2,000 doors um, in one. So, you know, we'll add on as far as doors, because a lot of people can't relate to square feet. You're talking whatever it is, 40 acres and um, probably 
3,500 to 4,000 doors that we're building out. So they're big properties that, and when you're building like that, it's a totally different story. If I'm putting something on the market like that, I mean, I can't underestimate not only demand, but also the price per square foot and revenue that you can charge. Um, we've seen this huge balloon in commodities, right? So uh, commodities have exploded. We all saw it in housing, right? Luckily, um, you know, I tend to be really good at commercial real estate, but I apparently don't understand uh, 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 residential because I'm building a house and I just caught all the prices straight up. So I paid the highest for wood mm -hmm. and everything else, right? Um, but when you look at the rise and what's done, a lot of those prices have come down. Uh, steel prices are the ones that have not, and not only have steel prices not come down, they are still going up. Now, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, you know, what does that mean? Like how much you can, well, in 2017, you're talking about for iron and steel, you were paying on average, um, you know, it was 204 bucks, right? We're like 300 now. So, and it was even less than that. So we're putting facilities out of the ground at three times the cost that we were four years ago, because most of it is steel. So the massive increase in steel prices have made storage um, I mean, it's it's doubled since 2000, and you know, in the last two years alone, it's it's probably mm. gone up a hundred plus percent. Uh, so that's you really got to think about that when building. Um, we only build in really high priced markets that have high demand and no inventories coming on board because if not at those prices, um, you can get in trouble. Yeah. Okay. So um, when folks, uh, there, there's a couple ways, AJ, that, that you work with people, right? So you, obviously you've yeah. got your book. The book yeah. is Growing Wealth in Self-Storage. You can get them as Amazon, everywhere else. Um, but 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 you also uh, have a group program. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's, I, I, I make my money in real estate and I, that's what I do. And so when a lot of people were doing coach stuff, I don't do one-on-one. -on -one. So we created a group that would help us do deals, which I've, I've done two huge, massively successful deals with, in that group with these people. But I have like my inner circle, which is just a storage one. We get on and we just talk storage. So we're doing all instruction. We're doing market demand studies, all of that. Right. And that's really important. And we do it as it's not a pay by it's every single month. And the reason why we do month to month, it's a continual group inner circle that we all come in and we all help each other is because I believe that these things, right, like there's static learning and then there's dynamic learning. Okay. Static learning is when you learn from a book, things like that, which are super important. I wrote a book to get people introduced, but dynamic work, uh, dynamic learning is seen in action. It's how I use the tools in given circumstances. And investing in storage is dynamic and there's multiple points. So the inner circle we really form so that people could come in and we could show them what's happening and what they're doing. We could see projects and we could do it ongoing. So as they're doing projects, as they're getting um, their investments, as they're learning operations, that they always have a resource and we're always coming on there teaching and learning. It's not just a one stop, you're done and they're left and they don't know what to do and they don't know how to move forward. Yeah. All right. So that is at ajosborne.com, Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N-E. AJ, this has been awesome. Uh, anything else when, when people go to your website, you'd recommend like in terms of engaging with you? 
Yeah. So I, you know, you can go to the website also Instagram, AJ Osborne. I'm on there. People DM me all the time. Um, really when you, when you look, we have the podcast, we try to give out as much information as we can. Self-storage is an industry where rising ship, uh, rising tide lifts all ships, right? The yeah. best thing we can have is people not destroying markets. So we want everybody, if you're going to get into it, to perform, perform well. People failing hurts the entire market. It makes cities mad at us. So we do everything from the podcast to YouTube, the book, right? And you can learn all about that at AJ Osborne, Google it. Um, and you can email or DM me on Instagram, either one. It's you know fairly easy to get a hold of me. Awesome. All right, AJ Osborne, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free, no credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and reshare re you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. And we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.